I still have a podcast? Oh yeah, I guess I do. Nearly two months after the last episode, it's time to talk about local sports. Welcome back to the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. And on this upcoming episode, you'll hear a lot about the Bengals, FC Cincinnati, the Columbus Crew, and so much more. Why listen to Boar Wing Radio when you got the local Sunday Sports Podcast? Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. The podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio area sports. Listen on your favorite podcast platforms by visiting cindaypod.com. That's C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D.com. Intro theme is Overdrive by Matrika from Upbeat.io. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. Who doesn't like starting off the brand new episode with fresh off the press news? And that's what we begin with. Flying to the hoop. It's been around for 20 years. It's one of the top big parties in the United States. By big parties, I mean the big basketball tournament. Big party. I guess it's a big party for basketball. Sure. Let's call it that. So just 10 minutes ago, by the time I'm talking to this microphone, the schedule has been introduced. 35 teams, 19 games, four days. The four days, not a new thing, because normally it's during Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And there are a ton of games to talk about. We'll start off with Friday, just two on the slate. And none from Ohio, actually. I'm quite surprised. Normally, most of the games will have one Ohio representative. Not this Friday. It's Friday, January 13th, 2023. Not this Friday because we're still in football season. Game one at 6.30. Keystone Academy out of Pennsylvania takes on Finland's Omnia Academy. Now, I'm not entirely sure if this is correct. but I feel like it's one of the first teams outside the continental North America that is playing in flying to the hoop. Because I think there's been a couple Canadian teams but I can't really remember anyone coming outside North America to play, which, by the way, of course, it's at Trent Arena in Kettering. And what a place it is for flying to the hoop. And the second game, 8-15 after Keystone Academy and Omnia Academy tangle up, it'll be North Carolina's Combine Academy against Arizona Compass Prep. Onwards to the second day, the first full slate and the only girls basketball game to kick it off. At 11.30 in the morning on Saturday, January 14th, 2023, it's Beaver Creek versus Springboro in the Battle of the G-Walk. Following up for Game 4 at 1.15 that Saturday, Pickerington North going against Dunbar. Then you'll have Columbus Afrocentric at 3 against, I believe that's Cuyahoga Valley Christian Academy. At 4.45, Game 6 and Game 4 of the day, SoCal Academy out of California Takes on Ohio's Western Reserve Academy. At 6.30, it's Lutheran East representing the Cleveland area. They'll take on Combine Academy, second game for that North Carolina outfit. And the last one on January 14th, Georgia's Pace Academy against Chaminade Julian. Sunday, January 15th, hey, there's a Preble County team. That might be a first in flying to the hoop. Actually, I don't know if it is. It's first time in quite some time since I... Really starting to pay attention to the flying to the hoop, but it's Preble Shawnee kicking off Sunday, January 15th at 1130 against Oakwood, a former 
Southwestern Buckeye League battle. Bravo Shawnee, of course, now in the Western Ohio Athletic Conference. Still a fun one to catch. Oakwood just making the short drive down Far Hills to tangle with the Arrows. Afterwards, it'll be the Taft Senators out of Cincinnati taking on Brush. Garfield Heights takes on the Wayne Warriors. The Skills Factory in Georgia. They make skills, and they're a factory. It says so in their name. We'll take on St. Vincent St. Mary's. Huntington Prep out of West Virginia. They'll take on St. Ignatius. And the Centerville Elks will get the last game Sunday, January 15th. SoCal Academy will play their second game facing the Elks. And to close out the 20th year at Trenorina, the Flying to the Hoop 2023 slate, at 11.30 in the morning that Monday, January 16th, Richmond Heights takes on Fairfield. The Indians out of the Greater Miami Conference should be another good year for DJ Wyrick's Indian squad. Richmond Heights Fairfield kicks it off. Afterwards, the Springboro Panthers, the boys team, will take on Lima Senior and the Spartans. Indianapolis Cathedral will take on Pickerington Central. La Lumiere out of Indiana gets Huntington Prep. And Kettering Fairmont, who's normally the first game of Flying to the Hoop, well, they're the last one. They got Lakota West and the Firebirds. So a battle of the Firebirds, Lakota West of the GMC, Fairmont representing the G-Walk. 35 teams, 19 games, four days. I still think it's the first time that there's been a team from Finland into the tournament or, you know, from the Europe area. And I think it's the first time we've seen a Preble County team. We've seen Tri-Village there, but that's Dark County. That's not Preble. That's not the same. So there you go. Your slate of flying to the hoop. And just to tell you a little bit more, two countries represented, uh, United States, of course, Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, West Virginia, Georgia, Arizona, Indiana, California, your states in the United States represented, and then Finland bringing a team over. Five defending state champs. Uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary, Taft, Richmond Heights, Pickerington Central, and Indianapolis Cathedral. And we we'll saw all four of those teams. Wow. They dominated at the University of Dayton. So really, really cool. 11 out of the top 20 schools Regardless of class in the preseason top, Ohio schools, Pick Central, ranked number one, Centerville two, St. Vincent, St. Mary, number three, St. Ignatius, four, and five is Lutheran East. So that's a pretty promising slate there. Right now, you have 10 five-star players coming into this tournament, 24-star players. So yeah, it's it's an event to pay attention to. Lots of college head coaches at this event as they should be because there's a lot of great talent here. It's just too bad flying to the hoop doesn't really have a good broadcasting outfit. And, you know, SUV TV still owes me quite a bit of money from my time broadcasting in 2015, but I'll never see a dime of that. So yeah, don't support SUV TV and tell them to go back and go away from Dayton. So there you go. Your Flying to the Hoop tournament for 2023 in the slate has been introduced. So now something that ended off being frustrating because, you know, SUV TV is such a wonderful company that doesn't want to pay me and blocks me on social media when I ask for my paycheck. <laughs> I still have the emails. I just think it's a little too late because it's what, seven years now? Whatever. To something that's been frustrating for most of the year. I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. So 
you know, about Cincinnati's great run. We talked about it a lot on this podcast and, you know, didn't pull down the Super Bowl trophy. Aaron Darnold is classless. He tried to hit, you know, a couple Bengals with two football helmets. So, you know, yay him, but at least the Rams are sucking. So that's fine. But this year, this start has been frustrating. I mean, I've watched, try to make sure I watched all five games. Yeah, I'm going to have to miss my first one this week because I'm at Rice State and the game is Sunday at one. But it's been frustrating, honestly. It's just, this is a team that is two and three, and all three losses have not been blown outs. So they've been by three points or less. And been by walk-off field goals, walk-off, you know, the best football term out there. But there you go. It's just, yes, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of hype on this team. I like what the Bengals did in the offseason. Lyle Collins, though, man, that back is really, really hurting him. You can just tell. I mean, if he was feeling 100%, I know he'd be a great right tackle, but... It's just not happening right now. And yeah, the Bengals have taken a few sacks, 19 to be precise. And I think heading into Baltimore, what was that, 16? Yeah, because two and two and it'd be about four per game. So another three given up by the Bengals O-line, which that's not great. But, you know, coming from where Joe Burrow got sacked around 70 sometimes last year, including the playoff run. I just hope that gets fixed. And I think it is. They're starting to gel. And uh, the one sack against Miami is just Burrow holding the ball too long. And that's a big thing. Some of those sacks aren't on the O-line. Some of them are, which, you know, it's a fair point of criticism. But other times, just Joe Burrow's holding on to the ball. And it's the defense that's, you know, slashing down the deep ball threat, which we thought, oh, you know, it'll be fine with the three receivers. But still, it's been like pulling teeth down there as we look at the total team stats the Bengals so far with 1678 offensive yards about 4.8 yards per offensive play uh, 459 yards on the ground which is one of the lowest numbers in the NFL by average yards 3.3 rushing yards per rush on 138 plays that is not a good number considering the fact that Joe Mixon should be eating Samaje Ryan is feasting though I will say that and we really haven't seen Chris Evans out there which that is disappointing the Bengals have scored 11 touchdowns on the year and they've held the opponents to six. So the defense is not the problem. And in fact, just one touchdown allowed in Baltimore. One. The rest were field goals, including the Justin Tucker walk-off one. And, you know, it. out of all the losses that Baltimore won probably upset me the most. And I don't know if it was unreasonable to think we should have won that game i don't know it's just what is up with the play calling i feel like i'm repeating myself from the radio shows i do but it, it needs to be said what is up with this play calling it's just you got a first and goal at the baltimore two and you can't score and you don't run it once my uh, co-host jackson mentioned the fact that you know what happened to old school power football? Just run out the middle. 
I don't know. I mean, maybe you don't even need the power. You just need to run it around and score. Why didn't they run it? What was that Philly special about? Just, I know it's still fairly early in the season and it should be a pretty winnable contest in New Orleans. Homecoming for a lot of the Bengals, including Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Shelvin, and Thaddeus Moss. Well, he's on the practice squad, so I don't know if that's really homecoming for him. But I feel like we could be 5-0 and at this point. Maybe 4-1. and I will say we... We faced some good defenses. Pittsburgh's defense, well, they were good with TJ Watt, and past few weeks they've kind of slouched. Dallas with Micah Parsons, that dude's a stud. I mean, the Jets gave us a good battle in New York, and we won our first game there. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Miami's win soured because of Tua. Not because of Tua's injury, but because how that doctor treated Tua. Luckily, he got fired like shortly after that game. But, and this is a guy that doesn't want to see people fired. But, yeah, that, that was just dirty. And last, and Sunday night, just, and we played like dirt in the first quarter. So many three and outs. It's just like, this offense is better than that. Then they finally started to click. There was a lot better running attacks from the Bengals that game. I thought, you know, we were starting to mix it up and just, so let's get to the individual stats. Joe Burrow, 124 of 191 for 1,316 yards completion, nearly 65%, nine touchdowns, five picks. He did throw one in Baltimore with what was a triple coverage on chase. So yeah, right after, what was that? Was that Baltimore turning it over? He only gave it up once, and it was that long pick by Lamar. Why do you throw that? Anyway, Burrow's been sacked 18 times, and out of those sacks, that results for 108 yards lost. Quarterback ranking of 89.7. So it's just the offense is being inconsistent, and again, I think it's more down to play calling, and I think it's trying to be too cute. And you're trying to play 4D chess while everyone's playing checkers. You don't have to. Just run your game and attack well. Let's say Joe Mixon, 96 rushes, 302 yards, one touchdown. Joe Burrow, 85 yards, one touchdown. Samaje Pirine, 70 yards. Jamar Chase with two yards, no touchdowns. That's your rushing game. Rushing game. It's been really tough to watch. Like I said, they were starting to show flashes of brilliance at Baltimore. And just, yeah. why don't you run it at first and go at the two? That's all I'm saying. Jamar Chase, two touchdowns, 343 yards to lead the core on 32 catches. T. Higgins, 315 yards, two touchdowns. Hayden Hurst, nice pickup, 157 yards, two touchdowns as a tight end. Joe Mixon, 126 yards on 20 catches. Tyler Boyd, two touchdowns, 234 yards. Samaje P. Ryan, a touchdown, 94 yards on 10 catches. Defensively, I mean, like I said, the defense was never my worry. I knew they were going to cook, and I knew that they're going to be a fun bunch to watch again. That defense is legit. They've only allowed a few touchdowns this year because it hasn't been, you know, where teams are just gashing touchdowns it's been the fact that you know the offense just has been inconsistent that's my big thing also 
from, oh, I'm trying to remember who tweeted it. I can't remember this point. But someone mentioned that the secondary still has yet to allow a touchdown after five weeks. How about that? And of course, secondary is, you know, the backfield. So, you know, no deep balls for touchdowns there. And I think that's pretty impressive. Will the Bengals sort it out? I certainly hope so, but I think they will. Honest to goodness, this is too good of a team to miss the playoffs. But two and three, that start doesn't look so hot. And yesterday, Zach Taylor mentioned that the play calling was a combination of all the coaches. They're learning everything. He didn't really apologize for the play calling, nor did he say that he wasn't uh, going to stop calling plays. So there you go. In case you're wondering, the losses, overtime loss to kick off week one to Pittsburgh, where I can't believe we missed the extra point to walk it off in the end. If we won that game, what would the rest of the season be like? I honestly don't know. A 23-20 loss to Pittsburgh, their only win so far. The rest of the games for Pittsburgh, their offense just looks anemic. And it's not the players they have. It's the it's Matt Canada. It's Offensive schemes just bleh. I mean, it's nice to see Kenny Pickett get a chance to shine, but I don't think it was Trubisky's fault. I mean, I wasn't fully impressed with Pittsburgh's offense week one, but they got the job done. Dallas, the Bengals, that first half was rough. Second half, a lot better, holding the Cowboys to... Trying to think it was three or six points. But Cowboys won at 2017, Bengals 0-2. Back-to-back wins against... AFC East foes at New York and the Jets 27 to 12 at home Thursday night football against Miami 27 15. And yes, the debut of the white Bengal look, which that's smooth. That's a really good look. And of course, 1917 Sunday night against Baltimore in Maryland. Up next Sunday afternoon at one at New Orleans week seven home against Atlanta. That'll be on Fox. Most of these are on CBS. And week eight, Monday Night Football, Halloween at Cleveland. Wow, two and three Browns. And you all told me they're going to win the Super Bowl. What happened? Uh, no, seriously, you signed a guy that abused several women for guaranteed money of 230 mil and you want me to feel sorry for you? Nah, I don't feel sorry for you. But that's your look at the Bengals. Uh, interesting five weeks to say the least. And I know that boar wing station will tell you that the Browns are the best team out there. The best two and three team and the Bengals are the worst two and three team. That's why you listen to this podcast, because I'll tell you the truth. I mean, two and three is not great. So stop labeling them great or not. I think the Bengals will bounce back. I mean, they did start two and three last year, but you know, I, this team can do better. I know they'll do better. And that's your look at the Bengals. Now for something that's been disappointing to something that hasn't been disappointing and quite pleasantly surprising Cincinnati. I wish I was talking about the Reds, but I'm not surprisingly terrible on that end. They lost 100 games tied for fourth with Pittsburgh there. That's your recap. That's all I want to talk about. Let's talk about FC Cincinnati. First two years in the MLS, the punching bag of the league. Not any longer. In fact, this morning on Twitter, FC Cincinnati said they kept the receipts and showed a lot of the uh, 
Talking heads, picking FC Cincinnati to finish as high as 12th, as low as 14th. And they finished 5th, which is a little bit better than 12th, don't you think? So yeah, FC Cincinnati with their 5th place finish in the playoffs. 12 wins, 9 losses, 13 draws. That is a lot of draws. Draws or ties. There you go. 12 wins, that is the lowest out of the 7 making the playoffs, but 13 draws, that is... Quite impressive, the most. And the nine losses tied for second least with, I believe that's CF Montreal's logo. And Philadelphia Union, they're the top seed in the East. So what's that first playoff battle for FC Cincinnati in the 2022 Audi Cup playoffs? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is going to be number four New York Red Bulls against number five FC Cincinnati at Red Bull Arena. Saturday, October 15th at noon Eastern time. You can watch it on Unimass, Tudden, T-U-D-N, and MLSsoccer.com. You can watch it on the MLS app for the English feed or local TV, which in Cincinnati, remember that's Star 64, which used to be WB64, but WB doesn't exist. So there you go. It's Star 64. CW went over to Channel 25. That was the UPN channel for Cincinnati. Aren't you glad you learned stuff? The Red Bulls have matched Seattle's league record 13-year playoff streak, and now they'll host after finishing just six wins, six losses, and five draws at home this campaign. And FC Cincinnati's chasing a first-ever playoff win after this breakthrough season, following three straight bottom-of-the-table finishes during their first three MLS seasons. First three? I thought this was year three. Wow. Where does time fly? Answer? I don't know. But yeah. No longer the punching bag of the MLS, especially once Chris Albright starts making moves. Honestly, I think FC Cincinnati is just really, really improved. And Pat Noonan, the head coach, he's done a really terrific job. And I, I can't wait to see what FC Cincinnati does in the playoffs. And, you know, they want to hold receipts for me. You know, I wasn't sure when the turnaround would happen. I didn't think FC Cincinnati would make the playoffs this year. Honestly, I didn't expect them at the bottom of the table again. But fifth, that's amazing. That's a great turnaround. And I'm just I'm just thinking, you know, if this is the beginning of the new FC Cincinnati, watch out, world. I've also mentioned too, outside uh, the stats that TQL Stadium was named one of the best stadiums in terms of experience. And let me tell you, those folks that are part of the supporters groups for FC Cincinnati, they do a heck of a job. One day, I hope to join them and actually enjoy a match at home. But there you go. So stat-wise, you have a pair of 18-goal scores, Brenner and Vazquez. As Brenner's played 29 matches, 22 starts. Vazquez, 32 starts, 33 matches. And that's a lot of minutes. Brenner over 2,000 at 2061. And Vasquez 2,753. And only subbed out once. That's 18 goals, 8 assists. You have 19 assists, 10 goals from Acosta. That's a nice pickup there. And 5 goals, 9 assists for Barrio. And, I mean, 18 goals, 18 goals, 10 goals, your top three. Yeah, some of the things that were affecting FC Cincinnati was the inability to score. 18, 18, and 10 with your top three is not bad. In terms of battling in the net, Celentano, he has played in 2,430 minutes, 27 starts, 
The goals allows average at a very cool 1.56. He's allowed 42 goals, recorded 85 saves. Save percentage at 66.9, but 10 and 5 on the year. Khan has started seven games. He's two, four, and one, I believe. His save percentage is lower at 60%. But that was also one of the big things, too. Celentino has really established himself as goalie one for FC Cincinnati. I like that goals allows average. Save percentage, it seems a little low because most of the time when I cover collegiate soccer, your save percentage is around 85 or so. Maybe it's it's different levels, I know, and I don't know how much that has to do with anything. But still, already upgrades. Already just, yeah, this team can threaten. And I think they have a good shot to knock off New York in New York. It's going to be tough. It's at Red Bulls Arena again this Saturday at noon. But, hey, you know, it's a lot better than that other team in Ohio that shares the league. And that would be the Columbus Crew. Now, this is also a team I follow just because, well, remember, a few years back, Columbus was the only team in the MLS representing Ohio. So I like both teams. That makes me the most evil guy in the world. So the crew, tough year this year. They had a shot making the playoffs, but they fell on Judgment Day. And not even 24 hours afterwards, they sacked Caleb Porter. That does it for his four-year tenure in Columbus. Columbus finishing just underneath the playoff line. 10 wins, 8 losses, 16 draws. That is a lot of draws. I thought FC Cincinnati had a lot of draws. But no, that's actually the most draws in the league. So a lot of left points, leftover points. If you think you can convert at least one draw to a win, then there you go. But man, I'm trying to think. 36, but yeah, it's three points for a victory, then one point for a draw. And yeah, Orlando, they were the last team in. They have 48 with Inter-Miami, and both those teams finishing 14, 14, and 6. That's wins, losses, draws, or ties. So yeah, Caleb Parter. Originally, I was questioning that decision, but then I think about it. Three of his four years, the crew don't make the playoffs. The one year they did, I believe that was the COVID year. They won the MLS Cup there, and that's his second cup. He won his first one with Portland. And from what I'm reading, he lost the locker room. And when you do that, that's not really a lot of things you can turn back from. So it is a shame, but I think he'll find a home soon. I don't know who else is looking for a home or who's looking for a new coach, I should say. Man, DC United, I'm glad we won that game. Seven wins, 24 losses, six draws. If we dropped another one like we did against Chicago Fire when we should have clinched, yeah, I would have been upset. In case you're wondering who got in the West, it's LAFC. They have the Supporter Shield, which is the best record in MLS, 29-9, or excuse me, 21-9-4. Austin, you know, Anthony Precourt's, you know, wet dream of moving the crew, ripping it out of its history to Austin. It's not fair. His second year in Austin looks even better than last year. They look pretty darn good last year, too. FC Dallas, LA Galaxy, Nashville, Minnesota, Real Salt Lake, 
out is Portland, Vancouver, Colorado, Seattle, Kansas City, Houston, San Jose. And in the east, it's Philadelphia, CF Montreal, New York City FC, New York Red Bulls, FC Cincinnati, Inter-Miami, Orlando, Columbus, Charlotte, New England, Atlanta, Chicago, Toronto, and D.C. all missing the big dance. And again, it's tough to see someone lose their job like that. But I think a change was needed. With all that talent Columbus has, you think they'd be battling for a top spot, not just the top in the East, but like the supporter shield. But it just never happened. I will say there is good news for crew crew two. No, that's not a joke. That is uh, crew two MLS next. It's a league that we talked a little bit about. It's like the under, I don't want to say it's the under club of their pro team, but it kind of is. So Columbus Crew 2, they won the MLS Next Pro Cup. And all they did this year was go 16-3-5. And And their team right under them finished with 14 points less. So yeah, Columbus Crew 2, what a year for them. They win the first ever MLS Next Cup. Philadelphia Union 2 and 3rd. And RY, or excuse me, RNYFC. Finished fourth out of the race, NFC, FC2, Inter-Miami 2, New England Revolution 2, Chicago Fire 2, Orlando City B, and finishing in last place is Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati 2, in their first year in the next, 4, 17, and 3. So, not the best year for Cincinnati team, in case you're wondering in the West, St. Louis City 2, Tacoma Defiance. Hey, it's a team that doesn't have two in their name. Wow. Because most of these teams are, you know, second squad to the big team. So that's why. So when you have other locations represented, I think there was RNYFC, which doesn't look anything like New York Red Bull Shield. It surprises me because... NYCFC has this Rochester. That's who it is. Okay. Probably should have figured that out. I didn't. There you go. So in the West, it was St. Louis City 2, Tacoma Defiance, Houston Dynamo 2, North Texas SC. And then San Jose Earthquakes 2, missing the cut with Minnesota United 2, Vancouver Whitecaps 2, Sporting Kansas City 2, Colorado Rapids 2, Royal Monarchs and Portland Timbers too, which they had a worse record at 218 and 4. So they had a rougher start in FC Cincinnati. So there you go. That's your look at the next. That's your look at the crew. See, I told you there's a little bit of something for everyone. But FC Cincinnati in the playoffs this upcoming Saturday. So you might not be able to tell, but this is about two and a half hours after I started this episode. I don't know. This recording has been like pulling teeth i just couldn't start i mean once i got underway started talking about the Bengals, mls and other things also having flying to the hoop was pretty nice too but i don't know what it is it's just this podcast isn't ending i mean i'll have one final episode say if it's ending if it ever does it's just you know with the radio work thank you tkds sports and iheart media dayton for the partnership and allowing me to be one of a few people to bring you local sports Monday afternoons and Saturday mornings. You know, radio is going so well. And this schedule has been really, really fun. It's been a lot of work, but that's what I want. So it's been 
a lot, a lot of work and really, really, really busy time. Do I thank everyone that, you know, follows along, looks at my stories here and there, maybe even tunes into a game. If you tune into a game, that'd be cool. If not, yeah, it's fine. So I think that'll close it up for this episode. It's nice to be back. Hopefully I'll be back on a semi-normal schedule. I like to tell you I'd be on a semi-normal schedule, but let's be real. I know I'm lying. It's just really just depends what the weeks come down to. I mean, football, the last regular season week is next week. I mean, soccer playoffs start next week, so I know I'm going to be jam busy for that. Then November comes along. It's the shuffling of fall to winter. It's, yeah, this time is incredibly busy. So it is really nice to be able to come back on this podcast and still tell you that despite this being about two months silent, it's still any, it's still better than anything that wing has produced. How's that under one score still affecting you guys? Huh? Yeah, but you guys just want to focus on that team in Columbus and bury my good name and not give me a shot because your egos will be hurt because I work. Yeah. So have fun with your 0.5 ranking. As I try to build an empire over at iHeartMedia and TKDS Sports and ESP Media and everyone I'm involved with. That'll do it for this episode. We'll talk to you again next time. This is the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit us on SindayPod.com and we'll talk to you again, hopefully real soon. Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure to bookmark SindayPod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from Tee Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SindayPod and the host at The Lee W. Mowen. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership and join me on the next episode.